0: Hello, this is a warning that the following episode discusses sensitive information relating to sexual assault and abortions, so please listen carefully and with caution and make sure that you do not have young children around. You're tuning into the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast as a best-selling author certified life coach and speaker i created this podcast to inspire empower and transform you from the inside out from time to time you may hear a solo episode but for the most part we will be joined by real life guests who have overcome adversity but as they have done the work today they are thriving so grab your pen and paper as we get started and learn firsthand tips and tricks to change the trajectory of your lives so we can live a free fearless and fabulous life hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of fearless fridays with marianne i am your host marianne rivera dannert known as the fearless living expert and today we are going to have an amazing young lady with us speaking about a very important topic that we don't often speak about so let's bring her on hello how are you Hey, girlfriend. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Good. 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 Thank you. So let's get started. Tell us your name and a little bit about yourself.
1: Yes. So my name is Vanessa Hobbs and I am a mother of two. I have a 16 year old son named Darren and a 13 year old son named David. And um, yeah, you know, I'm not really good about talking about myself, but uh, I am a. I don't know. I just, I love Jesus. I love healing. Um, and I love wearing lipstick. That's a little bit about me.
0: <laughs> Ooh, awesome. Okay. We'll come back to that lipstick part. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share a little bit about your, you know, personal journey through healing from sexual assault and what inspired you to start your healing journey?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, my story is can be triggering at times. And when I start to talk about it, I'm smiling and I'm very joyful and sometimes it confuses people. Mm-hmm. And it's really because of the liberty that I've um, experienced uh, through you know, processing all of my grief and my pain. And so um, I have been raped um, and it was by way of incest. So it was a sibling of mine. Um, and I also have been molested uh, by several people. And uh, I was sexually assaulted in church. So that's kind of like a summary of uh, some of my offenses. I also had um, parents that were addicted. And so when you have those moments, it's easy for somebody to kind of sweep in and um, do things that wouldn't be done if there were parents that were very present. But unfortunately, due to my parents' addiction, it just left a lot of room for people to kind of come in and do some pretty horrible things. And so, you know, when you talk about rape, a lot of people think about it um, in many different ways. So, you know, they were in college and maybe they drank a little bit too much. Somebody took advantage of them. But for me, the case was, Hey, let's play a game. And so, you know, people often talk about let's play house, you know, kids are always doing, I don't like play house in my house. I'd be like, it's too quiet. What's happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in my case, uh, I was, you know, outside we were playing, um, and a sibling of mine was like, hey, let's um, let's play truth or dare. And so, you know, when you do truth or dare, everybody wants you to dare. They don't want you to yeah. do the truth. You know, they say truth. Everybody's smacking their teeth like, oh, man, you want to do truth. So I was like, "I want to be cool. I want to be down. So I said dare. And so the dare was for um, me to allow my siblings friend to rape me. Right. So it wasn't formed that way, but of course they formed it in the way that they wanted to. And then my sibling was the lookout. Um, and then the, the dare from the friend was now for, for my brother to do the same thing. And so, um, in that moment, somebody came and like, it just didn't happen. But then later that evening it was like, I have to, you know, complete this dare. Oh, uh, you have to let me do this to you. And so I was under the bed at my grandma's house and I was raped for the second time in one day. Mm -hmm. And so again, I shared because my um, family, my my parents were addicted, it was just easy for me to consistently just be victimized, you know? And I know that that's one of the challenges people face when they've been victimized several times. It's like something about what I did had to uh, uh, provoke some of this behavior because it's happened multiple times. But that's not the truth. Um, The truth is that people, take advantage of vulnerable unattended to children. And so that was my experience. I uh, then you know, I, I think this is like around the nine-year-old time frame, and again, my my family was addicted, and so I kind of bounced back and forth between mom and dad. Um, and so at one point, I was with my mom, and she had this boyfriend who, like, one time was like, "I want you to love me like your mom loves me," and I'm like, "I hear about the stuff y'all be doing. Like, I don't know if I want to love you in that kind of way." Um, but I often trying to find this escape from the life that I was living. I would be at church like all the time, and so. If you're Hispanic and you go to Spanish church, you go on Monday, you go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, twice on Sunday, sometimes.
0: And don't forget Friday and Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't forget Friday and Saturday. And, um, and throughout that process, you know, I was going to church alone and the children's pastor would molest me. So I grew up very strict. I had to wear skirts and... It was just very extreme. And so throughout my life, I just experienced a bunch of um, violations. And then at the age of 16, I ran away from home, told my dad I was going to go help my friend paint her house, ran away from home, got pregnant, got married by the time I was 18 and then divorced by 23. And Marianne, I got so much stuff going on. I had so much stuff going on that I could go on and on. But that's a little bit about uh, my experience. Did I answer your
0: question? Yeah. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, thank you so much for your vulnerability and for your transparency yeah. um, in sharing that. Can you talk a little bit as to some of the initial challenges that you faced when oh. you started talking about it?
1: Yes. So um, interestingly enough, when I got married and divorced, it was like my first time that I felt free. Right. So I went from religious church to a dad that was a little bit strict. And then I got married and, you know, um, my my kid's father was very territorial. We were very young, very insecure. And so when we finally broke up, I was like, this is it. Pants, I'm wearing pants, I'm wearing makeup. I've gone to the club, never been to the club, and so I just wanted to experience all of what I felt like I missed, right? And so, um, at one point, I just did not recognize myself. Um, I met this guy, he was like, We're in love, let's have a baby. And so, I got pregnant, and then it soon like I got pregnant, he was like, I don't have a baby with you. And so we decided to terminate the pregnancy. Now for me and my beliefs and my morals, like I just didn't think that that was right. So at that point I was like, man, I don't recognize myself. I need to go back to at least what grounded me. And so I started going back to church and I'm like, I need to unpack some of this pain. I felt like I was just giving me instructions on how to unpack pain. And so little by little, I would just do these small things. Like one time I was in church, I was in worship. Um, This guy was singing, he was fine, but he was, he, he's my now husband. But he was fine back then. But I was like, girl, don't be distracted. But as he's leading worship, I like God was telling me like, hey, you're trying to heal your way. I need you to heal my way. Because my me healing my way was me going through all of my journals, reading my pain one by one and like, let me process this pain of, of my worst times. But I was opening up the box and overwhelming myself with my healing where God was like, hey, let me take you through a slow journey because my way is going to be better. So I'm in worship halfway looking at the worship leader halfway focusing on what God is saying to me and I felt like God I got instructions from God to take all those journals and burn them so I did just mm. that I went to a friend of mine's house I was like hey can you start a fire and I started to burn my divorce um papers from my kid's father because I felt ashamed that I was mm. you know in a in a single mom household now I burned uh the paperwork from my abortion because it was like a, a uh uh like a let me see, like a tormenting date oh. that would continuously uh, remind me of what I did. And then all of my trauma. And when I was processing, you know, being removed from CPS, from, from my mom, like all of that just burned in the fire. And then I just started to kind of process um, and be very self-aware and go as far as I could go um, until God gave me another instruction, yeah. which also included therapy. Yeah.
0: So, you went back to church mm-hmm. at any point, did you blame God for the things that happened to you when you were a child?
1: Absolutely. I said, how could you, right? You mm-hmm. start to sing these songs and they have all these declarations about God and who he is. And he's mm-hmm. a protector. I'm like, surely you are not protecting me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to really think about the fact that we have free will. Um, and, and, and then I'm like, man, like my parents just really didn't have it to care for me. Right. Um, and, and it sounds a little bit strange depending on where you're at in your healing journey but for me like i know that even though i experienced so much like god's hand was still on it and i'll kind of mm-hmm. share a little story as to how i how i can say that there was um the neighborhood older guy who likes to give kids candy, which if you are a parent, don't let no stranger give you a kid candy. That is just their way of establishing trust and luring your child in. And so what he would do is he would um, have me come over to his house and he'd be like, if you do this, which would be like me rubbing his man space, I'll give you candy. And so I I could tell that 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 thing was going to progress to something like now that I look back at it. But I remember one day I had a pen and paper when he went to the bathroom to relieve himself. Um, and I was tracing, you know how when you like write on notebook, sometimes it'll, it'll go through to the yeah. next page. So yeah. I was tracing it. I think I was like, maybe like seven at that time, I was tracing what was said. And when I, when he came back from the bathroom, I showed him, I was like, Hey, what does this mean? Cause I was tracing it. So it was actually scripture that he wrote. Um, on that notebook paper that was like, Lord protect this house. And he had it sitting over mm. his, the entrance of his door. So I think in that moment, it was like when he was confronted with whatever bit of fear of God he had. Yeah. And after that, that never happened again. So I think that, that those are moments where I'm like, man, even in the midst of all I've been through, like God was still there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. So healing is a very unique, you know, and personal, you know, journey that we all go through. What were some of the resources and techniques that you have used throughout your journey? I know that you talk about God and you talked about therapy. Um, What other resources have you used? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's this uh, method in therapy called EMDR um, that I ended up spending some time um, studying. And then I entered into some treatment for that. So what they do is, it's very strange, but you process the event that continues to overplay your mind and keep you in this very traumatized state. Mm. And then you have to, like, follow the therapist's finger. Again, it sounds so weird, but, like, The best example that i can give is it felt like sometimes i was experiencing things in real time but it was really me being triggered Mm. and after going through that process of emdr it felt like that memory was still there but it was really far down the hallway versus feeling like i was experiencing things right now so emdr was very helpful therapy was helpful prayer was helpful and then i had this one friend that created a safe space for me to share all of my experiences with and that just made me feel like man there are safe people out there because that was my biggest fear like i'll never find anybody safe because my parents were addicted so they couldn't keep me safe and then i had a sibling who violated me and he couldn't keep me safe and so i think friends safe friends were uh, a pivotal uh they play, played a pivotal part in my healing
0: that's yeah. awesome that's awesome how has your healing journey affected your relationships like you know, with your spouse now, with your brother, with your parents, with your own children? How is that? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So unfortunately, I still don't have a very close relationship with my mom. Um, and, you know, I think that sometimes when you, when I went through my healing journey um, and went through a process of forgiving my parents, my parents, I realized that um, sexual assault went back like three and four generations. So incest in my family went that far back. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you are healing from your experience and you try to process that with people who are also traumatized generationally, they they can't process that. And so, you know, we're not s- super connected, but I remember um one day, you know, feeling like I needed to tell my dad all of my experience. Um, mm-hmm. And it was because a sibling of mine, had also been violated by that same sibling and he wasn't believed for multiple reasons. But I'm like, I have to tell my truth in order for my brother to also be believed. Oh, wow. And so I told my dad and in that moment, he was just so mute. And then uh, I talked to him later that evening. I could tell he had to spend some time in prayer, but he ended up saying, um, I'm sorry for missing it. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for not being there. I'm sorry for being addicted. And so I felt like that erased everything that had ever happened as far as like me putting the blame on him because he took accountability. As far as my kids, I think as I have progressed in my healing, um, I have learned to let go a little bit. So it's like, nope, stay close. Can't go to no friend's house. Can't spend the night. Can't, 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 can't. Um, But now it's like, I mean, I do a podcast. A lot of people know about it. And so my kids are consistently you know, being recognized because of what I've done. And so, of course, I've had to have a conversation with them about my experience. And so, you know, they know that some of my triggers and some of my responses to things are based off of things that I'm still working to heal. Um, And I mean, I think they're okay. And then as far as my husband, oh, he's just, God is faithful. Um, But I feel like my husband has been um, a healing tool in my life. And so I know I talk about my faith, a lot, um, but it just played such a pivotal role. And so Mm -hmm. I remember being in church one day and they were doing these prophetic words to everybody, just sharing what God's heart was for people. And so he walked in and he was my friend at the time, or we weren't even friends, but um, he started to minister to me and say like, you're afraid of like The things that happen to you happening to your kids, that's not going to happen. And so I'm like, man, why would God trust him with something so deep and so intimate? And so I think that because we've been able to be friends and be around each other for so much time, it created a degree of safety where I'm like, hey, I'm going to share all of my triggers, Mm -hmm. all of my trauma. And then you got to think about it. Marriage is all about intimacy and Mm -hmm. sexual intimacy. So there's a degree of patience that he has to have with me while I'm intentionally doing the work. So when we are intimate, I can say, Hey, I'm triggered. This reminds me of this. We can't do that. And, you know, gratefully because we had marriage counseling and I was still in therapy, like I was able to process all of that. So it's like, he's enjoying all of the benefits now of my
0: healing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So, you know, a lot of survivors find comfort in healing in creative outlets So Mm -hmm. you mentioned your podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, what the inspiration behind it is and who does it serve?
1: Yeah. So I think that has been my outlet. Right. So I'm like, I think one of um what I hated the most about my experience was like, man, I really feel like I'm by myself and nobody talks about this. But then I would have little conversations here and there. And all these people had experienced the same thing. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this out loud? And so I was thinking about blogging one time and posted it on social media. Right. And um my my producer, his name is Miguel Lebron. He was like, well, why don't you just do a podcast? I'm like, I can't do no podcast. He's like, well, how about you just provide the content? Content and I'll do everything else. And so I was like, "Mm, we'll try this out. Wait, wait, pause, rewind. So I I actually also did um, a documentary. I felt like God set me up to do a documentary like in 2017. So I did that. And I thought that that was like my my evangelism like, Lord, you healed me. And this is what I give back to you. We're even. He's like, no, I'm setting you up for the rest of your life. (laughs) Um, And so that post happened for blogging. And then I started podcasting. And man, it's crazy because I would get. Little to no reactions on my social media, but then my inbox would be flooded with people who'd experience incest right. and just so many other things, including, and you know, I have a lot of trauma. So, including one of my experiences was like child porn um and that was what triggered a lot of my memories to have to to, to remember what had happened to me and so mm-hmm. people would just start inboxing me and i would start you know like messaging them back and be like man i know that you know in black and brown communities therapy is like not something we do but you should really try right. it and i would talk mm-hmm. about therapy and i and so for me it's just like I just don't want a girl or a guy cause it happens to men as well to ever feel alone in this. Um, and so I've just committed to sharing my experience and how the ugly parts, the great parts, uh, the parts that are scary, the old times, stuff that is happening in real time. Cause it's like, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the truth really does set you free. So. Yeah,
0: yeah that's so true. And you know, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the sexual assault and things like that happening generations back. Mm-hmm. And it is so true that Black and brown, Hispanic community don't talk about those things. And when you open up to one person, then you start finding out. And it's like, why didn't you say something then? Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that?
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, I uh, was at a conference a few months ago and someone that I had interacted with on social media came up to me. She was like, man, I was listening to your podcast one day and it triggered a memory for me. And I realized that that, although I didn't have that memory, my behavior still was very traumatizing. And so she was like, I had to sit down and have a conversation with my husband and let him know, like I'm struggling in this area and I didn't even have this memory. Or even sometimes there's a degree of liberty I have. Right. So it's like, man, I was sexually assaulted. I made very poor decisions. Everybody has an outlet when they right. have been traumatized. Some of some people become alcoholics, some people drink. For me, it was like, I just want to feel loved. I want to feel wanted. And mm-hmm. so I found myself sleeping with people to find validation. So it's like, right. you know, I would share that. And 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 um people would have those same responses, like those same behaviors to their trauma. And I guess my confession in ways just gave them that liberty to share. Um and so people often reach out to me. Um, I had a hoodie one time that just like blew up and everybody was wearing it. And it was just, it was just crazy how many people are recognizing me. And it's not because of me, because I promise Mm -hmm. you absent of Jesus, I would be in a straight jacket right now. Um, But I'm always blown away by the people who have Mm -hmm. heard my story and have felt encouraged and have had the courage to heal themselves because it's like, I'm not sharing this for fun, y'all. Like we need to heal. So, Yeah, yeah, that's
0: so true. You didn't say the name of your podcast and why that name?
1: Yes, so it's called the voice of Tamar. Um, and so in Second Samuel 13 in the Bible, it talks about David's um daughter being raped by her sibling. Um, so it says that when she, um, he, he you know, he, he said he lured her in and said, Come in, let me, you know, I need you to cook me food, I'm feeling sick. Like, my beloved sister, like, come, and then once she came to serve him the food, he yanked her up, he raped her, and then he just kicked her out of the house like nothing so you went from being my love my dear sister to some random person i'm gonna kick out and so at the end of that scripture it talks about how she just walked off and she was just crying um and then other scriptures talk about like women being sexually assaulted and like nobody hears them so i'm like well maybe i need to give them a voice and then hopefully Mm -hmm. my voice will empower other voices to cry out too and not have a story with without a happy ending so that's why i called it the voice of tamar
0: I love that. So self-care is very important in our healing journey. How do you take care of Vanessa?
1: Yes. Um, So I've recently picked up a hobby of photography. So now I'm just taking pictures of ducks and just random things. And my husband will, he'll let me. Um, I also travel, so I'm about to go on a cruise um, in seven days. So that's one of my outlets. I have journaled a lot. Um, Going on long rides are really helpful for me. Um, And sometimes just being, like binge-watching TV and kind of taking a break from some of the healing journey because sometimes we're in a rush. Mm -hmm. Um, But God really has this, like, layered approach. We got to peel it back one layer at a time. So sometimes it's okay to just take a break and process what you've just processed before going on another lap for healing. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm.
0: So shifting gears a little bit when you Mm -hmm. and I reconnected, and I know that I was listening to your podcast before Mm -hmm. the class that we took, um, Mm -hmm. but we reconnected in a leadership um, class. Mm -hmm. So tell us what's your experience in leadership and how, what's your, what's your vibe on working for a nonprofit organization?
1: Yeah. So my experience and leadership has been very interesting. I have accepted that I am a strong too. And I think that when people say I'm a strong too, other people are like, no, you're more than that. Like, no, y'all, I I am really a strong too. I'm happy being a strong too. I will take your vision and run laps with it. OK. Um, and so that leadership. uh development course that we took was very eye opening for me and i think that it allowed me to kind of remove what i thought leadership was supposed mm. to be because of what i've seen and 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 know that there are other forms of leadership and so it's yeah. like man maybe i'm not the face of something but i am really good at seeing potential um Wrong turns. I'm really good at saying, "Hmm, I don't know if this person would fit here, but maybe we should move them there or like, oh, they want to take over your business, girl. You better, you know, have some discernment there in the organizational side. So I think working for nonprofits have taught me a lot specifically, if you have experienced trauma, sometimes we enter into the nonprofit space with the hopes of being what we didn't have, right? And so you have to make sure that you're healed and that you're also not bleeding into the nonprofit work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about nonprofits, I'm like, man, I don't think I can do anything outside of serve people and love people and help them to be better. So I don't think I'll ever leave the nonprofit space. But I think that um, when you have experienced trauma, and even when you're working in environments where people are experiencing hardship, you just have to have a really good balance between this is work and this is what I'm I'm leaving here so that I can be home and be present and not lose myself um, in the work and and give my family crumbs at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when you talked about your self care, I think that's even more important working mm-hmm. in a nonprofit organization because nonprofits it's all about giving back and helping others. And it's like you have to pause every so mm-hmm. often and pour mm-hmm. into yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned you know, what leadership should look like and what it shouldn't look like. What has been some of the don'ts in leadership that you have seen?
1: Oh, yes. So I think that in moments of... Transition and when you're feeling very vulnerable, I think you have to really surround yourself with people who love you and support you, right? Because there are moments where it just gets hard and you want to quit, but you have to have somebody who's going to remind you, like, hey, you're built for this. God has called you to do this. You're really good at this, despite how you feel right now. So I think the dues are having people around you in general that love you, but knowing who to call if you need help. I also believe that there should be like some degrees of tier. So I'm really big on pulling someone up to where I am, but also having peers. So it's like, what would you do in this situation? Cause you're in the same you know, space as me. And then also finding someone that I strive to be like. And so um, when I talk to people, my hope is like that they'll have three people that they look up to two people that they're willing to mentor and one person that they're willing to pull up. Uh, so
0: that's kind of some of my leadership thoughts. I love that. That three, two, one. Yes. Love that. So as we get ready to you know, wrap up, this is the fearless Fridays podcast. What does living a fearless life mean to you and how are you yes. living a fearless life?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So I think a fearless life for me is to jump out and do things that scare me, right? Mm. And so it's like, I just wanted to do a documentary and release it. And then it was like, okay, God, now you want me to do a podcast. Then I did a podcast and it's easier to do that and record on a mic and then just let it go. And so now I feel like uh, God is prompting me to do an event where a bunch of women come together and we begin to process some of our trauma and let some things go and, Mm. and, and, and forgive ourselves and forgive others, right? But that comes with so much pressure because it is not Mm -hmm. just a mic and an upload. It comes with um, organization and making sure that we are caring for the hearts of those who will come in the room. And so I think for me, it's just like, man, I'm going to do it even though I'm unsure. If I know that God is with me, if I know that I'm going to put in the work, even if it scares me, I'm just going to jump out and give it um, all that I have. So
0: do a scare. I love that. That's beautiful. So my last question, Mm -hmm. if someone that is listening to us, or seeing us, you know, later on has experienced, you know, sexual assault. What advice and guidance would you give to them?
1: Yes, I think finding one person that you can trust to share your experience with is so pivotal. Keeping that stuff locked in, like it does health, like health related things to you. So finding one person to talk to about your experience is really important, a safe person. And sometimes it's not people who were connected to the story. You have to kind of get a third party involved. Um, and if you're like, man, I don't know if I trust a regular person, it's like, you a therapist. Cause who's about to spend thousands of dollars to go to college and lose their degree because they didn't know how to shut their lips. Um, mm-hmm. Also find books that will help you. So The Body Keeps Score is a really good book. Um, my Sexual Healing Journey is a really good book. So I've been the kind of person who will resource myself to um, see like, oh man, some of my behaviors though I thought they were normal, are really connected to my trauma. And I think that you can find that in books um, and also journaling, processing your pain, um, releasing things, forgiving people, even if they're not sorry, um, are things that I think are extremely important if you are going to heal and heal well.
0: I love that. Any last parting words or anything that you would like to mention or talk about that we haven't discussed
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that healing is just a journey, such a journey, right? And when I share my experience, it's so layered, right? It's a layered thing. Not only was I sexually assaulted, but I was also, um, it was incest, it was child porn, you know, I had drug addicted parents. My my brother was murdered three years ago. Like that's so much. And it takes time to heal. And so I think my the last thing that I would say to anybody who is going to start a journey or who is in one, like, pace yourself and give yourself grace. It is going to take time for you to unpack years and years and years and years of trauma. But I promise you, it sounds scary at the beginning, but it's really, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz where it's like, you think Oz is like this really big, scary person, but he's like a chihuahua mm-hmm. in the back of a, mm-hmm. of a mic. And so it's like healing can sound so scary. But if you mm-hmm. get closer to that pain, you'll realize that even though it hurts, it's not as big as you thought um, it would be. So just be patient with yourself and just have the courage to start um, peeling back that hurt one layer at a time.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Vanessa.
1: Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. Make sure to stay connected with us and you can find us on Facebook at MRV empowerment solutions, or on Instagram as Marianne Rivera-Dannard. You can also visit our website at MarianneRiveraDannard.com. As always, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter.